All right, welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm here with longtime friend and restaurant extraordinaire, Patrick Hummel. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you uh, for driving all the way up here. <laughs> oh, come on. So we're at Patrick's uh, beautiful house in Mill Valley, and Patrick and I filmed a podcast, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and I get home and I was so excited for this episode. I, I really felt like Patrick dove in deep to what it means to scale, what it means to maintain quality, and especially across how many you know restaurants they have at the Mina Group, which we're going to talk about today. And so you know we get back, we're looking for the card, and then all of a sudden we ended up traveling and the card got lost. So here we are today, and we're going to make it better than ever. <laughs> I'm here at Patrick Hummel for the second time, and I can't wait to dive into his special sauce. So um, we'll go for like 25 minutes. All right. Sound good? Sure. All right, three, two, one, let's go. All right, guys, so Patrick Hummel... Um, is is the president of the Mina Group. And the Mina Group has about, what, 40 restaurants now? 44. 44. 44 restaurants globally, spanning from Dubai to San Francisco. And actually, how many do you have um, in the next 60 days, how many restaurants are opening? Um, well, in the next 60 days, we just have one restaurant opening. In the next 90 days? Still uh, one. And in the, next, uh, in the next 150 days, we have... Um, Right around four restaurants. Four, okay. So guys, if you're a gym owner out there, if you're a coach out there, if you're just anybody out there, the information that Patrick's going to share today is vital because he's a guy who's running a company in along with you know your team, right, and Michael Mina in particular, to open up this many restaurants. And if you guys haven't experienced a Mina restaurant, you have to. The quality is of the highest level. And what's unique about the, the Mina group, which I want to talk about today, is that First off, you've opened up restaurants and then had to reevaluate the concept. But the fact that you can maintain quality across any concept is super fascinating. So where I want to start is where we started last time. And you kind of, you know, shook me to my core when you said that you started off as a busboy. And now you've worked up to being the president of arguably one of the largest restaurant groups in the, in the, in the world. I, th- I think one of the largest private restaurant groups in the world. So privately held. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. how'd you get into the restaurant business. There's a lot of gym owners out there who you know maybe worked at a gym, got excited, and they started from the ground and worked their way up. But you've done the same, right? Yeah, I you know I started off as a bus boy. Actually, as I was a delivery boy, bus boy when I was 16. And then what does that what does that mean? What's a delivery boy? Bus I used boy? to I, I had to bust the tables in the cafe, and then when the delivery came in, I'd have to get the order together, get in my jeep, and drive it to somebody's house. What kind of food were you delivering? It was just like chicken fingers, pizza, <laughs> you know, Caesar salads, this little uh, Italian deli in Las Vegas. And then when I turned 18, I started bussing tables at a restaurant uh, down on the Strip. And, you know, at first I was just kind of mesmerized. And I loved, I, I, you know, I played high school sports and, you know, I didn't play at the level where I could continue playing sports, but I loved competing. And it felt like that every night in the restaurant business. We had a team of bussers yeah. and we would, you know, just get our butts kicked. But... Um, it was us against, you know, all the plates we had to bus and the server requests and everything. And it, every night it felt like we, you know, we, we, you know, we conquered something together. And so I loved initially the team aspect of it and building teams and understanding how to start developing talent and assessing talent. At a very young age, I, at 18, they made me the head busser and there was 25 other busers and I used to write the schedule for the busters. I used to hire them. I trained them. So I learned. And were you a senior in high school at the time? No, I, I was. Uh, I was in college. Oh, you're, you're in college, mm-hmm. and you you were b- born, raised in Vegas. I, I grew up in Vegas. I was grew- born in Southern Cal. And then, 
raised in Vegas. You became, so how many years did it take you to become the head busser? Six months. Six months. <laughs> okay. The head busser at the time left to, for another restaurant. I just, I, they, they, I guess they saw something and now, promoted me. Now, looking back on that years ago, would you say that you got lucky or do you think it was, you know, I like to think that in life doors open and you got to know when to run through them or when to close them. Mm-hmm. Do you think just the door open, you were right place, right time, but you worked your ass off to earn that position? Yeah, I, and I think that's how it, it it constantly is. It's like a door opens, you you jump through that opportunity, and then you just can't kind of set it on coast. You have to continue to work hard in order to earn that until the next door opens. That's right. And so, you know, the way Patrick and I met, first off, we we have a many many we have a long time friendship. But Patrick's also into CrossFit, into fitness, big time. And and I almost equate that to our business, where every day you're in the gym, you're competing against other people. There's this kind of camaraderie, the community. And it's the sport of business. So it sounds like in the restaurant business, for you, it was kind of like a sport. Like, hey, how can I get the team to deliver the best product? Is that kind of how it right. happened? And that's and that's still how it is. And even, you know, that was at a busboy level. And then, you know, now as the president of the company, we're looking, you know, it, it with each restaurant, you're looking to solve for that, that, that day. It, it doesn't, you know, obviously you have to have plan and you have to forecast and you have to think about your business in terms of weeks, months, and years. But as it pertains to service, all you need to think about is what's happening that day, the guest that's coming in that night and how each and every single person, how you're going to engineer the most success and the most happiness out of that individual service. I think that's a really good point. You know, I like to have the saying of you get to renew your members every day. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times because we have monthly recurring revenue, a lot of people think you have to renew them each month. But the way I like to think about it is that you're one bad experience from not having that member come back. And for you, it's the same thing. Like, you know, if I go into your restaurant, I have a poor experience, whether that be service, food, or a number of things, I might not come back. Right. Or probably not. I mean, I don't know. Right. And, and so your team has to be honest. So now, as you started, you became the head bus boy, um, head busser, you started running a team. And then how did that, that just kind of transcended? You just kind of kept growing. I just kept going and growing and, you know, um, I became a, you know, I, then I became a food server and um, I started learning about food and, and about wine and about beverage and spirits and hospitality. And, 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 you know, I lived with four other guys, but instead of, you know, going out and partying and, and, and being crazy, we would, we would have dinner parties and we would have other people come over and do wine tastings. And we just started becoming enamored with this, this notion of, of food as uh, this source of entertainment and uh, to understand culture and society and, to be able to bring people together over something that you really need every day. So you're in college, you're working full-time, part-time? Full-time. Full-time. S- similar to me, right? I worked full-time, went to school full-time. And so you're boom, 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 working up. And as your friends were going out partying, things of that nature, you're kind of becoming an expert at your craft. Mm-hmm. And so here you are many years later. And, you know, would you say, I mean, you were building a foundation at the age of what, 18, 19, 20, 21. And then... When did the opportunity come where the door opened to kind of become part of the MENA group? When I was 25. 25. Mm-hmm. So by that time, you'd already had years of experience. Yeah, I, about seven years with uh, with the restaurant group I was with. And at that time, I'd grown to general manager of a restaurant. And um, it actually, speaking of doors opening, they, you know, I, I was in Vegas and they said, hey, we have a restaurant in Southern California. We're going we're gonna to close it. Um, but we need someone that we can trust, just run it show realtors the space, make sure nobody's stealing, you know, while we go through this transition, would you like to just pretend to be a general manager? I said, <laughs> sure, let's do it. And uh, I, they ended up not 
they ended up not selling it. They ended up not closing. I turned the restaurant around and increased revenue and increased profitability. And they ended up holding on to it for a few more years. But at that time, you know, about a year after that, I met Michael and then, you know, I was feeling pretty cocky and confident, but, um, you know, I wanted to, you know, kind of take over, you know, and, and start working at, at a higher level. Um, and Michael was, you know, Michael Mina was definitely at the highest level uh, you can get to. And so I was really excited to kind of see how I can grow into that. So that's fascinating. I want to back up for a second. So your part is restaurant group. How many restaurants do they have? Um, they probably had about uh, maybe 12, 15. Oh, so quite a few. Mm-hmm. And then they wanted to basically like, hey, Patrick, go out here, you know, kind of let's let's this thing. This, this thing's going to go down, but make it go down as softly as possible. It was right. kind of like the way. And you went over there and you're like, well, f- forget that. Like, I'm going to try and win. Might as well, right? You want to put your best foot forward. And you ended up turning around the restaurant. So how long did that process take? Um, I think, you know, initially it probably took, for us to kind of, to just get on the right track, it took six months. And then once all, everything was lined up, then the wins just kept coming. And so right. what did you do different than the person before you to take a, a a location that was unsuccessful, I assume unprofitable, mm-hmm. and create profitability. I, I just, you know, I focused on the team and focused on making it fun to be at work. Focused on, you know, uh, education, training. I, you know, I, I, I believe that it, it's interesting. I, I, we talk a lot about CrossFit and a lot about like muscle and fitness, and I believe like a restaurant team or uh, the the team that works in a restaurant is a lot like a muscle. And, you know, you don't just get to like your perfect ideal physical shape and then say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to set it and that's yeah. how I'm going to be the rest of my life. Right. right. You have to continue. In fact, you, you can't just keep, you know, you can't just keep maintaining either because atrophy will set in. You have to continue to improve and continue to push. And so in the restaurant, you know, if we get to, you know, Michael Mina just got four stars uh, from the San Francisco Chronicle. If we say, okay, that's great. That's all we need. Right. We're going to, we'll start backsliding. We'll yep, get yep, weak. Yep. We have to say, okay, what's next? How do we continue to push ourselves? How do we continue to improve? And how do we, how do we work out even harder in order to, just to maintain? Right. And so you went into this restaurant, you, you basically evaluated the business and started recognizing areas of improvement, starting with the team. I right. mean, if the team's not on board, you know, especially in the restaurant industry, it's such a tough industry. I mean, if any of you guys have ever been any experience in it, I mean, I don't obviously, I mean, there's just so many moving parts, you know, from food inventory, you know, from food cost to, you know, management to, you know, service to the front desk. I mean, there's so much. I mean, you got to really manage that team accordingly. Right. So it sounds like that one location kind of catapulted your, you know, ego and also your abilities, right? Because you kind of, you know, you were put to the test. I had a theory and I tested it. It worked. And so I wanted to, you know, figure out how how I could further expand upon that. Now, you, you start working with Michael Mina, and he's a good family friend of ours. If you guys haven't been, again, to a Mina restaurant, you got to go check him out. What is it? MichaelMina. MichaelMina.net. MichaelMina.net to go check out the restaurants. Okay. Fast forward, though. You start working with Michael Mina. He starts opening more restaurants. A lot of great opportunities are coming your way, right? And you have told me that some of your restaurants, most of your restaurants perform very well, right? They're profitable. They're right. successful. But you've also had ones that didn't perform as well. And I'm curious about talking about those because there's a lot of gym owners out there who they blame their success or unsuccess on, I don't know, maybe their location. Can you tell me how you've gone in a location, for example, Miami, where I've been to multiple times, and you've had to pivot on the model and how you went from unsuccessful to successful? Mm-hmm. I'm just curious about that because you already had a lease. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing that, you know, we always think about is what, what, do we, what do we have direct control over? And sometimes when you're in a lease or when you're in a location, you can't, you can't physically manifest into a different location. Right. So where you're at is where you're at. You have to figure out how to change your sauce or change your formula to work for your location. And so in, in Miami, we had a restaurant and we thought it was going to, we, we, we went all in. We thought it was going to be extremely successful and approved not to be. That's at the Font Blue, and you have two locations, correct me? Correct. We have Strip Steak, and the initial restaurant was called MM74. Um, and it just, it, it was good, and the food was great. Oh, you, ate, you ate there. Oh, man, it was fun. But it, it just wasn't checking the boxes for for the people in the community and for the people that were at the hotel. And so after being there for a few years and kind of understanding what what would catch magic, we reconcepted it and, and into pizza and burger, which is it seems kind of obvious, but... It, it's done great. You know, I think it, it, it's it's great for everybody that comes to the hotel that's not looking to dine at Strip Steak. It and gives them a nice alternative. Just to clarify, Strip Steak and, and MM74 were relatively similar. Um, yeah. Strip Steak's a little bit of a higher end price point, a little bit finer dining. MM74 was, was kind of consistent with that. Mm-hmm. And so now the burger and pizza is night and day, right? Right. Right, and it, it you know it's great for families, great for uh, people that are you know in town for business. It's great for people that are going to go to live nightclub and they want to grab a you know burger right beforehand. So we're we we saw we saw we evaluated and then we adjusted our concept to fit the market and uh, then we you know now we've hit the ground running. So let's talk about that. I'd like to touch base a little bit more on that. So you have a gym owner who maybe opens up a CrossFit box, starts recognizing that you know maybe their demographic in surrounding areas might desire something different, right? And they need to be, I don't know if the word's ego, like they need to kind of step back for a minute and like see the forest through the trees. Is that what you had to do where you had to kind of evaluate, well, hey, if our numbers aren't right, because mm-hmm. did you do a checklist of you saying, okay, the team's good, the chef's good, like all Always. these, because the first thing I, I assume you ask yourself is like, is it the team, is it the chef, is it the food? Right. And then you start deciding if it's the um, product you're offering, Right. right. Yeah, you know, well, we and you run through that. Okay, is it the? Do we have the right product? As far as are we executing our product well? Is this is our service spot on? Is our food spot on? Okay, check check. Do we have the right team? Okay, we do. So we're you know if we have all if all those things are are lining up and we're still missing, then something's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. We're, and so all, the, the overall whether it's the messaging or how how um, it's being broadcast to people isn't working. There's a disconnection there, and. If if you're not able to solve for that, you, then you have the wrong concept. I, I love that. I think that's such a fascinating thing. Just to summarize for everybody who's listening, you know what Patrick is saying is that if if you if you analyze the team, if you're analyzing the product, if everything is being executed to the best of your team's ability, and in other areas it's being very successful with those same models, then maybe it's actually you're you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Right. And so all you have to do is do a quick evaluation. And now what the, the the business is booming exactly wow and we we did we just did that down south in uh, in Dana Point yeah, yeah yeah at the Monarch Beach Resort we had Stonehill Tavern it had been it had been there for ten years it was considered the best restaurant in Orange County um, it was four star four diamond restaurant you know won every accolade and it just wasn't catching magic like it used to and so we had to evaluate where what, what the diner was looking for what the hotel guest was looking for what the community was looking for and so we put we we. We uh, reconcepted after 10 years and put in bourbon steak, and we've almost tripled revenue. Now, with that, did you remember, sur- did you like survey people, or was this just based on like your vibe? Or like, yeah, I, yeah it was a little, we, we took a look at 
basically, obviously the hotel has a lot of data. So we took a look at what the, what the guest um, demographic uh, data was telling us, who they were, what they liked to do, so on and so forth. And then we had, we ran some, just some uh, kind of geographic uh, demos on as far as what, what steakhouses were around, you know, from what community, how far would their drive be to go to, to go to that mm. steakhouse, so on yeah. and so forth. And we found that there was relatively nothing in the area, and so there was a lot of you know, there's a lot of you know guests that like to dine out, and a lot of people that don't necessarily cook at home, and they have a good you know uh, uh, disposable income that had to drive 15, 20, 25 minutes to get to a state, you know, to get to yeah. a good restaurant or a steakhouse, and so we could solve uh, that that problem for them, you know, so they don't only have to drive five, 10 minutes and. It just I, all, it just made sense as we uh, kind of stood back and, and looked at everything. I think that's really cool. That's a cool takeaway for anybody in business. You know, it's, even for, I mean, for us, for anybody is that, you know, you're never too cool to look at your business and kind of step back and be like, hey, look, all these things are going right, but man, why is that not performing the right way? And then maybe you need to do a quick pivot or adjustment. Right. And, and so speaking of that, I think that, you know, uh, on top of anything else you guys have done at the MENA Group, I've probably eaten at maybe... I don't know, at least 20 of your restaurants, at least, maybe 15 to 20. And the quality is always consistent, right? The food might be different. You might have Japanese here, American here, whatever, but it's always consistent. And I, I told you last time we were talking, there's nothing I'm more, uh, I think you could be more proud of than that. And so my question to you is as a gym owner or as anybody, whether you're a business owner of any type, for me also, how do you scale consistency? For us, right, we have the collective, which is this um, online session plans and programming for all of our coaches to utilize so that they're sharing the same message. That's one way we do it. But for you, how do you, how do you scale consistency? And then one of the ideas we talked about last time that I'd love for you to touch base on is that you have like this team that goes in and from the get-go, you started off right. I think that's an area where we've dropped the ball in the past. I'd love to hear... What is your strategy for consistency as you roll out into new restaurants? Well, I mean, we, I think, you know, we have the most talented team of individuals there are in hospitality. Um, but we have a, a, an illustration. It's almost a Venn diagram of, of, how, of scaling excellence. And it starts with the right people. You have to have the right people. Um, but you have to also train and develop them. So you can't just hire the right person and then not train and develop them because they're, you know, they're going to become disinterested. They're not going to, you know... They're not going to know exactly your way, your culture, your philosophy. So you start with the right people, you train and develop, and then you hold accountable and help execute. Those are your. Those are the. Those are like the th the the three little buckets that, and you have to hit right in the middle. You have to have the right people, you have to train and develop, and you have to hold accountable and help execute. If you don't have the right people, all you're going to do is train and develop. Mm -hmm. And if you have the right people and never train and develop and try to hold them accountable, they're going to be. They're going to. They're going to be. Uh, resentful towards you yeah so you've you've got to you know you've got to have that 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 recipe in order to scale excellence um so you know for us it you know and we're fortunate we've got great a great team but like what you said is when we go out and open a restaurant our goal is to is really to go out and um one set set a, a strong foundation for success um and you know start uh setting the example and being role models you know i always tell our team that people don't, you know, people weren't playing basketball with their tongue out because Michael Jordan was a terrible basketball player. They do it because he was an amazing basketball player, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, kids are at, around playgrounds right now are shooting three-pointers three because Steph Curry is one of the most amazing three-point uh, shooters around. And so 
our team has to want to be like they they want they they have to want to be like us. Uh, you know, our team members in the restaurants. They have to see something in one of our directors or one of our general managers and say, you know what, I need that. I need yeah, to be like they that. They want person. to be inspired. Right. And so our team has to set the example. We have to set them up for success and and provide uh, a strong foundation, and teach, develop, inspire, grow, and then and that process takes. You know, when you open a restaurant. To, to get that trust and buy-in, it takes about six weeks. You know, it takes us, to, you know, we, we, we start off and we, you know, you know I, I come out and I talk and I, you know, I get, you know, I get people pumped up. Yep. So you kick it off. I kick it and off. this is like how many weeks before a restaurant opens? This this is two weeks before the restaurant two opens. Two weeks before the restaurant opens, you go out, you kick it off, you get the team inspired, right? right? Which, you know, you're a very credible guy. You start off from the bottom, you've built your, and now- to establish, I want to just go back to your three kind of pillars because I'm, I'm in a full agreement. How do you identify good people through the interview process? What secret sauce do you have that you feel like has helped you find good people? You know, I think it's more about attitude than aptitude, right? You know, people are there's people are going to be skilled, um, but the skills that we that we're trying to teach are, are things that can be learned. It's the attitude. It's people. You know, we're looking for people that have the champion spirit. That means they're passionate about being great in everything they do. It doesn't mean that they're going to be great in everything they do. But I'll tell you what: if I'm going to go into your gym, and I'm going to see a workout. I'm going to be passionate about nailing that workout, whether it's Helen or Grace. You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it as great as I can. And those are the people we want. We want people that keep score, right? That that, that they know, you know. Maybe they lose some days. Maybe they don't. But they're always keeping score. They're always trying to push themselves, and they're always passionate about being great in what they do. And what's one key thing that you do to help you find those people? Like if you had to say one, one thing. You know, I, it's just really kind of getting to the root of who they are and, you know, trying to understand, you know, analogous situations are, you know, you know, I, I love, I love people, you know, that obviously have a sports background because yeah. they, they're used to working like that. They're competitive. So through the interview process, you're, you're, you're feeling them out. Right. And you're, you know, and it's being truthful and honest. I mean, we, in order to have 44 restaurants that are great, it, it it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of, it's a lot of madness and it's a lot of craziness and there's a lot of passion. Um, and so you can't be, you know, kind of faint of heart. You've got to be, you've, you've got to have grit. You have to be tough and you have to have moxie and you have to be willing to do whatever it takes to, to be successful. So then you, you pivot from there to, um, you know, training and developing. Now you said, okay, you go out two weeks before the restaurant starts. For example, we're opening a new gym in Malaysia in two weeks. I'm going out there in two weeks to kick it off. Uh, and then we have our team that stays there. We have like a three people on the team and an implementation expert that stays out there for like two weeks to a month. That's what we try and do. But I think you do something similar, but just better. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pick up on what you do. So now you go out two weeks in advance and then boom, uh, how many people go out with you? Because I think you have X amount of people in the front of the house, X amount of people behind the house. Mm-hmm. We typically have, not counting myself or Michael, there's about anywhere from five to seven people in the front of the house and five to seven people in the kitchen. These are the management team. Yeah, we call them task force. Task force. Right. So your task force goes in two weeks ahead of time. Two weeks ahead of time. And then they stay there from for six weeks total, give or take. Some people, some people for four weeks, some people six weeks, some people for twelve weeks. Um, it you know typically we'll leave we'll leave uh, one front of the house leader and one culinary leader behind um, to stay for about three months. And then their goal, and and I think where you're, you really blow my mind on this is that you have this core values, right? Patrick, Michael, and your other teammates. These are like your your crew from old school. Then all of a sudden you have these managers who've kind of been, you know, uh, basically as a part of you 
and Michaels. They really feel what the vibe is like. And then you send them off to go open these restaurants set. When you start it, you start with the same kind of ethos. Right. Right? Is that That's the mm-hmm. goal. Yeah, because it's like when you, I mean, I, I, it, you have to have a base foundation for things because when things get, when there's tension or things go wrong, they have to have something to come back to. It's just like, you know, it's like, when, you know, you whether you're playing a sport or you've got to have kind of just your inherent skills and art culture is something that has to be inherent to people because we don't want to compromise that. So these front of the house people, these back of the house people, they go out, they stay there for an extended period of time. And then your goal basically is to have these individuals eventually no longer be there and then roll on to the next project. Right. And that's the way you do it. Mm-hmm. So you identify good people, you train and develop them through this onboarding process that lasts, you know, six weeks to whatever months. And then basically you continuously flow through that. Right. And you just, and you hold them accountable and you help them execute. Right. And that, that's what's important. You can't just hold people accountable. You have, you know, it's just like a coach in the gym, right? Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to let you have a shitty squat, but I'm going to show you how to have a better squat. Right. So we're going to hold people accountable. You've got to have a standard. We're going to hold you to that standard. And you know what? I'm going to help you help you get there as well. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this all day. We're 24 minutes in. I, um, I want to, um, I want to ask you one thing. So when it comes to leadership and it, and it comes to you, your guys' business, you, Michael, and your team, you've you've scaled, you've opened up 44 restaurants. You've been a part of how many openings? Over 50. Over 50. That's it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's very few people I've ever met in my life who've opened up 50 different businesses. And so I think you're a ninja when it comes to opening, right? When it comes to that leadership focus, because I've watched you at work. So I went to an opening that you did in a Calmare down in L.A., right? And you're a, you're, you're, you're a low-key, super cool dude. But, man, in, in that setting, you could just tell. I could just look at you, and you're paying attention to everything. You're not crazy. You don't yell, whatever. But everybody just knows that Patrick wants a certain expectation. So from a leadership perspective, what's something you've done that you think has kind of earned the, not only have you earned the trust because you're actually on the boots on the ground, but like, what do you do that kind of from a leadership perspective separates you from other people in the industry, you think? Well, I think, you know, one thing, it, there's, we have the why, we have the vision, we, we, and we are able to articulate that. And then we're also able to execute um, at, at, at any level, whether it's at a busboy or, you know, uh, being behind the bar or serving pizza at a pizza counter. And, you know, um, we're willing to, to do whatever it takes to make that service or that restaurant successful at that, you know, in any given time. And it's everybody in our team. It's not just me. It's every single person. Yeah, right. They're willing to, whether they're a vice president or a president or somebody that's in development, they're willing to roll up their sleeves and get to work and and fix the problem for that for that evening. Yeah. So, so what do you do with your team? Like, how do you get them so bought in on the core values and the vision? And what is, I mean, the vision is obviously to bring people together over fine food and I assume, and obviously you, you, you know, you're a big, you and Michael and your team, uh, the philanthropic efforts that you do specifically with Ava's Kitchen and my wife's event are second to none. We raise a lot of money for kids, which is awesome. But how do you get the whole team so bought in? Like, I don't understand. How do they become so passionate about food? How do you do it? Yeah, I, well, I think that they, they, they start off being passionate like that. That's what they're, you know, attitudinally, they, they were all kind of the, the similar as what we, what, what we love. Um, and then it's just, we have, you know, winning's fun, right? And so when you go out and you're doing a great job and you're able to replicate success and have 
a lot of impact on a lot of lives and be able to touch people and connect with people. It's addictive and it's something that all of our team kind of rallies behind. Love it. You know, and the funny thing is, is like, the, but if you look at the flip side, you know, if you look at Braveheart, right, and with Mel Gibson, you know, he like if he one, they had to have a mission, right? Okay, we need Ireland to be its own people, right? But if they didn't have if they didn't have provisions, if they didn't have weapons, if they didn't have maps on how to sack towns, like that would only last for so long. So you have to have the vision and the mission and get people inspired, but you have to have the tools and the resources and the management in order to have that 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 vision be sustainable. And, and that's what that's what we have. We have that balance. Yes, you have this greater vision, but then you supply people with the means to go execute on that vision. Exactly. Well, Patrick, um, I want to I finish off one last question. Um, this is something that, if you were to take like a year's time, right from now, and we were popping a bottle of champagne, this is something that they I did at a mastermind event this week, what would we be celebrating for Patrick Umel and Michael Mina group from a business perspective, what are you guys celebrating? What's one thing that you guys are really striving towards? Our goal right now is to is to elevate our employment experience and our team member experience. We want to be best in class at that. And so all the stuff that we're talking about right now, you know, as far as uh, culture and training and development, we think that we can improve. And we want, you know, our goal really is to be considered one of the top 100 places to work in America. Um, and so we're, we're kind of lining everything up internally with our systems and our processes and our, and our team in order to, to beget that. Well, you heard it here. You know, I asked Patrick, what's his goal to open a bottle of champagne and it has to do with his people. And I think that, you know, that resonates with me. You know, a lot of people don't realize like as an entrepreneur, we care about our people a lot. If we didn't, we wouldn't be able to grow a business. And I think it starts with them and then everything else falls into place. And it sounds like that's your focus for the next at least for next year to pop a bottle of champagne. <laughs> well, Patrick, um, where could anybody find you, the Mina Group restaurants? I mean, you're all over the country, all over the world. I highly, highly, highly recommend you guys to jump in there and try their food. Where can they go? Michaelmina.net? Michaelmina.net. They can go look at Chef Michael Mina uh, on Instagram. I'm Patrick underscore Umel uh, on Instagram. Um, but uh, michaelmino.net is a great resource. That's where you can find the strip steaks, the smoke, the, uh, all these different things. Right. And I would love to have Patrick on again when we talk about diversifying your offering because they don't only have one different uh, uh, you know, restaurant, I guess, chain or, or system. They've now partnered with Aisha Curry on uh, st- uh, International, International smoke. smoke. They have different partnerships. And what even makes him his business more fascinating is that at times, locations actually pay the MENA group to come in because of the value you bring to the location, which I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So you could have, um, like, let's just say a mall, bring in a Mina restaurant because they know it's going to attract so many people. So I think it's our goal as gym owners, as business owners, to raise the bar so that one day someone comes to us and says to me, hey, I'll pay everything to bring an NC Fit in because it's going to bring such a high level of clientele here that it's going to help all the other restaurants or all the other uh, places nearby. Yeah. All right, brother. Hey, thanks again. Absolutely. And, uh, All right, guys, have a great day and uh, looking forward to talking again soon.